Hi, this is Randall with Business Partner Blueprint, welcoming you back to another episode of the Blueprint Pros Podcast, where we discuss how to land big corporate clients. And today, I'm so wonderful I can't stand myself. So, welcome back. This is uh, part three of our series on uh, women in the boardroom. And uh, if you'll recall, we've talked about the three main things, in my opinion, <clears throat> that uh, I believe is is uh, relevant for, for this topic. Three success factors, three key issues. We've talked about debunking some of the, the perceptions out there and how to finesse those. And um, if you recall, we previously talked about the, the three major things of being yourself, being the best, and uh, deliver, deliver, deliver. In the last episode, we talked about being yourself. In this episode, we're going to talk about being the best. <clears throat> now, you might be going, yeah, 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 Randall. You, you know, every, what, what you said, I, I get it. It's, it. it's pretty simple. But I don't, I don't know what it means. I, you know, you walked me through being yourself. And okay, I, that, that makes some sense to me now because I see the significance of why that's important. And uh, how it really sets my business up for long-term sustained success. And um, you, you might be going, okay, be the best. Well, you know, uh, who, who doesn't get being the best? So what, what do you really mean by being the best? Well, let's just walk through that. And uh, you're going to go on a journey with me. It's going to have some twists and turns. We're going to go over the river and through the woods to grandmother's house and back. But trust me, we've got a destination in mind. So I want you to just bear with me because I'm going to pull... Uh, three major concepts together uh, in order for you to really get a good picture of what it means to be the best in uh, the corporate context. So let's talk about Avis versus Hertz. Now, hopefully you recall the commercials from some years back where Avis actually had a, a series of commercials where they talked about, you know, we try harder. Avis, we try harder. And basically what Avis was saying was that they understood that they were the number two uh, car rental company behind number one, Hertz. Now, I'm going back 20 years or so, but uh, the model, the, the analogy is still accurate or still applicable. Uh, because in this case, even with the mergers and acquisitions and consolidation going on, the, the two big boys continue to be Avis and Hertz, the Avis group and Hertz, period. So I want you to think about this for a second. As you think about those two, and, um, you know, it's not to say that you haven't had a bad experience, but as you think about those two, would you say, yeah, for the most part, th those are the two. And uh, as those two move, so goes the industry. Now, this has nothing to do with uh, Uber and Lyft and, um, you know, those kinds of things. This has nothing to do with, uh, you know, specialty things. It's it's more to do with, for the most part, would you say that as you start thinking about the two top brands out there, you would still say it's Avis and Hertz this many years later? And, uh, you know, you can verify that by looking up their numbers and this, that, and the other and whatnot. They are. Okay, just FYI. They are. All right. But... Here's the interesting thing about it. You come back and you say most any conversation you're going to have about the rental car business 
it's going to be um, how do you stack up against those two? All right. Those two are considered best in class. Okay. Best in class. Now, I want you to think about this. I want you to imagine that you're in a conversation with um, a, a corporate employee and imagine if they perceive when they're talking to you that you are best in class. There you go. There you go. You, you've, you've solved the problem. If you're perceived to be best in class, then um, you, you, you've done the work to earn your spot in the boardroom. If they believe that you have something that uh, is either best in class or can help them get to best, best in class, then you're, you're, you're there. I mean, think about this for a second. Let's, let's, let's look at the opposite. Under what circumstance would you, as a business owner, want to put your business at risk by working with the worst in class you wouldn't right okay so we can take that off the table and <clears throat> under what circumstances would you say let me go at the middle of the road well you might do that based on cost and if the risks are low but it wouldn't be your first choice right your first choice would probably be, let me get the best that I possibly can for the available budget I have, if not the best, period. All right. So you, uh, if we're talking about Fortune 500s, Fortune 500s are not consciously going out and looking for the worst or looking for mediocrity. They're looking for the best. So as we talked about uh, previous, on previous episodes, there some of the components of being the best are... Um, you know, your subject matter expertise, your uh, domain knowledge, and your ability to crystallize the value that your company offers uh, within the context of the systems and processes of your customers. If you can show them how this saves them money, they're like, come back in, come back in, come back in. We got more and more and more work for you. So <clears throat> let's talk about a little bit more. All right, now you've, you've been somewhat perceived to be best in class, but there's got to be evidence of it. So let me take you back. Back in the uh, late 80s, early 90s, uh, coming forward to today, there have been four major, major events, uh, systems, initiatives that have been put in place that more than anything else helped uh, customers uh, external customers and even internally within large corporations started to get some transparency around their systems and processes for the purpose of being able to see what you can improve on and quickly identify what's what's not working and how to fix it. That really and truly is the major purpose for setting up systems and processes. A, you want repeatability. You want to be able to consistently deliver high quality um, and, and reliability in whatever your output is. <clears throat> Number two, you want to be able to document it so that you can train people on what precisely and specifically needs to be done. And number three, you want an audit trail of what happens so that when something doesn't work, you can uh, get to a root cause uh, quickly and then you can solve it for the system. 
even if the root cause is one off, you should be able to make an adjustment to the process to make sure that um, you, you preclude against that happening again. You additionally want to be able to represent to customers that you have your processes documented that well so that you can do precisely that so that if and when something comes up, um, you can effectively deal with it so that their 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 processes, their systems, their product, um, their company is not put at risk based on something your company did or didn't have the ability to fix. That's really what all of this was about. So it started with the first one in the late 80s and uh, early 90s uh, called uh, Quality. And with Quality, the Quality Initiative, people got the Malcolm Baldrige Award because they had quality processes, controls, and procedures in place that gave them the most reliability, uh, uh, reliability, repeatability, and a high level of um of um of uh, quality high level of customer service high, high level of product uh product features and benefits that that uh, you know didn't break down didn't tear up so high degree of quality there that was followed up with uh, a global initiative iso iso 9000 and uh the related programs and that one was <clears throat> more about especially in the pharmaceutical and process industries uh having clear documentation around what precisely was being done so that, you know, as I mentioned a moment ago, someone could easily go back in and see what was happening. It's like, you know, did you document what you were doing? Now, imagine, you know, especially in pharmaceuticals, what that means if you have an issue. Well, I mean, imagine what it means today with uh, lettuce, uh, lettuce recalls and, and, and other kinds of things. You know, the ISO process allows you to go back and identify most major things in the process where you can you can quickly locate something that went wrong, um, which is huge, and then quickly remedy it. So both ISO and quality with regard to documenting your process and knowing what came from where are huge, especially in, um, in, in, a, in, a, in an unfortunate situation. But if you if you design these things and do them right, then you have consistent, consistent, uh, uh, repeatable, predictable output on, on the end, which is what you really want once your business is humming. The, the last two, Lean Manufacturing and uh, Six Sigma, uh, are more the same. Those two, for the most part, focus on eliminating errors. The, the first two, clearly you wanted to eliminate errors. Um, and so when you throw in Lean and Six Sigma, that's just taking it to another degree. You, you know, you may have a quality process that allows you to have, a, you know, a 1% error rate. By the time you get to Six Sigma, you might have a, a process that, you know, ha let gets you down to a 0 0.01 or 0 0.001 or 0 0.0001. Okay. Uh, and and so the idea there being, you know, clearly you're you're putting out um, you're putting out consistent, reliable, high quality things that people can trust is going to do exactly what it was advertised and marketed to being able to do. So you might be saying, Randall, yeah, 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 that that all sounds great, but I can't afford to do all of that. And it's like, you know what? It's not that difficult. Is not that complicated, or as you may have read someplace, it ain't all rocket science. <laughs> Depending on where you are with your business, <clears throat> you can do simple things 
like uh, just jot down what your actual processes are. And that's going to be huge for you because as you as your revenues grow and you start exiting certain activities, you need to be able to hand certain things off to the people that you bring into the company and you can give them a procedures manual. And uh, the pre procedure doesn't have to be 400 and 500 pages. The procedure can really and truly be, you know, five or six simple steps, but it's something that somebody can read. And they know what what's expected of them. They know what they need to do. And you can do that for every single process in your business. <clears throat> you can do it for how you want mail handled. You can do it for how you want uh, customer service calls handled. Um, the time frame in which you, you need to respond. What you need to collect um, in, in any service call. Uh, the information you need to collect. You know, order number, issue, get, give it a tracking ID. You, you know, simple stuff, but it's documented, all right? You can actually hire companies that can actually send you procedures manuals. Uh, you can actually buy those. You can just do a an internet search on uh, procedures manuals for sale, and um, you can go to websites and people will tell you, you know, that ask you about your industry, this that, and the other and whatnot, and they'll ship you those. And so, having that becomes huge. Uh, and, and I want you to think of it in this in this regard. Why why it's huge. You, you you at this point had to have seen a number of requests for information, requests for proposals, RFIs, RFPs, where uh, you're asked, you know, tell us your process for ABC. Tell us your process for uh, customer complaint resolution. Tell us your process for um, a shipping notification. Tell us your process for um, ha handling, you know, onboarding new, um, new, new staff onto a project. Okay. You had to have seen that. Now I can tell you as somebody that's reviewed thousands and thousands and thousands of supplier responses, there are some things that are obvious right off the bat. No, those who have processes and procedures and those who don't. And let me tell you what it indicates to me when I'm evaluating these. It tells me whether or not somebody's actually ready to play. It really does. I know that if you went through the the investment of setting up processes and procedures in your business, that uh, number one, you're serious about your business. Number two, you understand, uh, you have a fundamental understanding of what it means to have repeatable um, outcomes in your business. The as I mentioned a moment ago, the primary reason for having systems and processes is for the purpose of having repeatable outcomes that you can hold people accountable for. Did you do what the procedure called for? Not are you making it up at each and every turn? And it tells me that uh, number three, that you have some idea of what my real reality looks like so that when I start communicating with you and I start talking about my processes and procedures as a corporate, as a buyer, that uh, we should be able to get to an outcome quickly. Now, that doesn't mean I'm married to processes and procedures because if there's an opportunity to improve upon them, I'm going to take them. But having a conversation with somebody that understands the significance of them makes for a much easier conversation. Now, you might be saying, okay, Randall, I got the concept around Avis and Hertz and number one and number two and being perceived best in class, but I don't know what this whole conversation around quality, ISO, lean, and Six Sigma has to do with, with being the best. 
exactly the same thing. That's what it has to do with it. If you have those things in place, whether you're starting up or whether you've been in the game for a while, what that speaks to is that you have done the work to be credible to start having these kinds of conversations with the big boys, that you have the basic uh, building blocks in place to have a business that they can insert into their operations and not really have to worry about, not really have to think twice. But let me rephrase that. They don't have to worry as much about because um, they can work with you and look in your processes and procedures and see how it overlays with theirs and figure out uh, how to make them work seamlessly. That's why you want it. And that lets them know that you're ready to play. You're ready to do business. It gets you in the conversation of being the best. And when they go and evaluate you, then uh, they can come back and, and say in their due diligence, we found processes and procedures that uh, we believe that can produce what was represented. And that brings us to the third item. What really goes on in the boardroom? All right. What, what really happens there? It seems to be like a lot of mystery about it. It, it. There's really nothing mysterious about it. The boardroom is very simple. The boardroom is where you are making uh, major decisions on issues that have either come before you or setting strategy and direction for what, what you what you expect to come. And you come to the boardroom with uh, people who are supposed to be the experts in their field with the ability to do whatever it is they represent can be done. You, you caught that? You want the you want experts in the field with a proven track record of getting things done, bringing the best information available so that a quality decision making, effective decision making can be made. That's that's it. That's it. Uh, the, the boardroom is not one of those places where you go and bullshit. Now, you, you know, cynically, I would say that, you know, if you've been in the boardroom for 20 years, some bullshitting occurs. All right. <laughs> However, the expectation, especially for for you as a supplier, the expectation is that if you come in and you make a representation, a, a number of things have occurred. Number one, you earned the right to be there. OK, number two. That um, you what you are representing is indeed something that's possible number uh, because you should be an expert in your field and you should have all available information um, uh, to substantiate what you're representing. And number three, whatever it is that you represent that your company can do, there should be sufficient evidence to substantiate that claim. All right. That's really it. Now, think about this. You know, if you're being yourself, you're being honest, you're being authentic, uh, you've got a proven track record, then there's really nothing intimidating about it. You, you know, not all business is good business. If, you, you know, your representation doesn't get the order, that could be a blessing. All right. So this is not the opportunity to go in and overstate and misrepresent and do all this. This is one of those things where, you know, when you're an expert in your field, 
you have a pretty good idea of what will and won't work. And a lot of it comes from what you've done with other clients before you even got into the boardroom for the Fortune 500. All right. Therefore, uh, there's nothing to be intimidated by. There's nothing that disadvantages any one person over the other person. The, the real issue is, as we talked about, being the best uh, and being yourself. All right. And being the best is huge. Being the best is huge. So that's why, you know, as we said, um, you, you know, being number one, number two, being best in class, um, be, be, um, understanding the significance of what it means to have uh, processes and procedures and what that tells uh, a, a corporation or, or a potential customer about you and your business savvy, your business knowledge and your understanding of what it means to run a sustainable business um, as as well. What. Uh, what. Um, it, it means when you walk into the boardroom, uh, just just the, the, the sheer understanding of why you're there, what you're supposed to be bringing to the party, and the significance of whatever commitment you make, you now have um, have uh, have have figured it out why being the best is significant. So that's that's the story. That that's the whole thing. So, you know, yeah, we went to over the river and through the woods to get to Grandma's house, but it, it's it's part and parcel to understanding why being the best is significant and what specifically you need to do in your business to get there. And it's really not hard work. Don't be intimidated by this. Once again, as I mentioned, depending on um, where, where you are in your business, you can actually um, purchase uh, procedures manuals for different things. You can hire third parties to come in and help set up procedures for you, or you can have an internal initiative where you actually go through, audit your internal procedures and document exactly what you're doing and look for improvements anyway. Truth be told, Fortune 500s do that every day. They go through audit processes regularly looking for opportunities for improvement. When they bring suppliers in, that's actually what they're hoping for is that uh, they can see some uh, uh, process optimization, if, if not uh, complete uh, process elimination and uh, improvement. So that's what they're looking for. And they're looking for the best to come in and help them and work with them. So there you have it. We've covered uh, being yourself. We're covered, covering being the best. And in the next episode, we're going to talk about deliver, deliver, deliver. So uh, moving on. Please go to www.blueprintpros.com and get on our email list. I really appreciate it. Uh, you can stay up to date on new episodes and other exciting news. And, oh, by the way, I've put a feature in there where you can actually leave me a message. And depending on um, uh, what, what you're sharing, I may um, play, play your, your message on one of the podcasts. Or if you give me your approval, uh, put it out there and share with people what you, what, what you had to think. So, uh, yeah, go to www.blueprintpros.com, get on the email list, and uh, leave me a message. Communicate to me. Let me know what you think about uh, the, the episodes so far and any topics you'd like for me to cover. This is Randall signing off. Have a, have a wonderful day. Bye.